Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John Cunningham is a friend of mine and a brother in Christ, and he can help you with financial decisions and future planning. He's been a big help to me and my family, and I commend him to you. You can reach him at 205-913-1720. I am so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome back, and thanks for listening in today, and I really do mean that. I know how it is during the holidays. Routines go flying out the door. Maybe you're out of school, you're off of work, you're traveling, there's all kinds of family get-togethers, and having hosted a podcast for almost four years and occasionally tracking the numbers, I can tell you this, podcast success depends on routine. That 25-minute drive to work on Monday morning or that workout session Monday afternoon. So it's probable you have gone out of your way this week, out of the norm, to listen in, and I'm thankful. You and I need to do a little prep work to make sure we enter into 2023 optimistically and with clearly defined plans in place. And a huge part of that, as indicated in the title, is your ability to build a team that contributes to your success. There are some new ideas I researched this week connected with a familiar name in our podcast history, Simon Sinek, and I want to share that with you today. But there are a couple of old school things I want to do first. In preparing to share some new concepts, there were two old ESM episodes that came to mind, though these are actually two ideas I still think about quite often. They are concepts that I continue to teach and use, so it's really my pleasure to take you back to those ideas today, and hopefully you will clearly see how they contribute to the team concept we want to be using next year. Okay, way back, February 11th, 2019, episode 7 in this series was titled, Your Inner Circle. I remember at the time it being a little bit controversial. I had preached a sermon the week before and then released the episode, And effectively, I was saying that every person in your life is within one of two circles. There is this inner circle, and then like the target sign, a circle outside of it. And whether it's a family member or friend, acquaintance, co-worker, brother or sister in Christ, they need to be placed in one of those two circles. I remember someone saying there shouldn't be any circles, that you shouldn't make distinctions like that. And then someone else said, maybe there should be three or four circles. I mean, where do you put your enemies in all of it? But look, the relevance of that today is making sure that you are choosing inner circle people in building out the kind of teams that can help you accomplish your goals. If you're interested in a lot more information on that, you can scroll all the way back to February of 2019 and check it out. But here's the brief summary. My outer circle has a lot of people in it. You might say, Chris, where are your adversaries, the people who don't believe in you at all? Well, they're in the outer circle, at the outer band of it. But you know, there are also people out there I would call friends. There are people in my family. There are people that I go to church with. There are people in there that admittedly I don't know very well, and there are people in there that admittedly I know quite well. For whatever reason, sometimes more obvious, sometimes less, 
There is just not a lot of trust equity between us. Maybe it's someone I don't feel comfortable being honest with, or maybe someone who I don't believe is genuinely interested, at least not yet, in helping me become a better person. Some of the people in that circle, in yours and in mine, are just people that don't see things the same way that we do. Or maybe we see things the same, we just have drastically different personalities and have a very difficult time working together. There are tons of people in the outer circle that I just don't know enough about yet or haven't connected with them in the kind of way to find out the kind of good we can do together. In other words, there's nothing wrong with putting someone in the outer circle. Because I'll tell you this, with the great God of heaven listening and measuring every word that I say, I love everyone in that circle. I pray for them. I am not embittered against them. I want for the very best things in Christ to happen for them. And I hope and pray that I would go out of my way to help any one of them. So it's not an insult to say that you keep some distance between yourself and someone else. But it's also distinctly different from the inner circle. I want you to spend some time this week thinking about who is in your inner circle. These are people that you trust, someone you can confide in, someone who will rejoice at your successes and weep in your trials. It's someone who loves you, who genuinely cares for you, who will go out of their way for your benefit. You don't have to see everything the same way as someone else in your inner circle, but you must believe the best in each other and be willing to go to bat for them in defense of their character as you know they would for you. It's interesting, my inner circle consists of very obvious names like the person I've been married to for 25 years or my best friend since the age of 13. But there are also a few names in that circle who I've probably not conversed with more than 10 hours or so our entire lives. There are some men in that circle that I've never actually seen in person, only interacted with through technology. I can't explain who's in and who's out, but I know the difference. These are people I can call, and they will answer. And pretty much no matter what I say, or ask, or propose on the other end of the phone, we will work forward together from there. I want you to spend some time determining who those people are, because the truth is, you are going to need them. So often, our best laid plans falter because we try to do them on our own. We set up routines or try new things, and we run out of energy and fall down, and there's no one there to pick us up. Sometimes it's more like this. You're just doing it wrong. You're making a mistake, and you don't have anyone in your life who can tell that to you and there be a good result, or that you can confide in. You can say, look, I've messed this whole thing up, and they start the process of picking you back up without even remotely considering that a permanent mark on your record. So I want to come back to that in the last portion of today's episode, how you're going to build and utilize that team. But let's step away for a moment from the communal aspect of this and just talk about the nature of goal setting in the new year. In January of 2020, I started the year with an episode titled Building Your Ladders. I had found that imagery in a book or something a few years before, and it is still the mentality that I use in planning out the calendar year. It has a very simple and proven process. Step one, what does the next level look like? 
I don't know what it is. Maybe you want a better marriage. Maybe you want a better body. Maybe you want better finances. Maybe you want to be a better worker in the kingdom. Visualize what better looks like. I've said it a hundred times. Everybody wants to get better. Very few people can define what that looks like. You need to see yourself standing on a platform saying, this is where I am now. And you need to look above and in front of you and see the next platform and say, that's where I want to be. Logistically speaking, all you really need to do is build a ladder and climb it, and you'll be at the next level before you know it. So I like to think of building a ladder to the next level in increments consistent with a calendar year. So this is how it basically works. You lay two long wooden beams up against the next level. If you can build 12 identical rungs and place them in between those two beams, you can easily climb those rungs and stand on the new level. If you can be somewhat specific on what this process should look like or what the goals are, and then instead of looking all year long, you can just specifically note, here are the things I need to do in January that will definitely contribute to the outcome that I want. That would be rung number one. Now, when it comes to March or July or October, you don't have to do anything incredible. You just have to repeat what you did in January, in February, and then again in March, and create 12 identical rungs. Consistency throughout the year allows you to very easily and naturally put the pieces together. And by Christmas 2023, a year from today, you will be on a whole nother level. I think I gave this example in that episode. I remember one year, Summer and I decided we needed to be more plugged in at our local church. We knew about half of the people really well and the other half not so well. That was kind of the generic goal. And then we got more specific and said, let's have 100 different Christians in our home this year. We both liked the idea, but honestly, it was overwhelming just to say out loud. But then we broke it down further. We said, okay, in the month of January, let's budget a little bit of money. Let's mark on our calendars two days that we have free during the month. And every Sunday when we get to church, let's ask someone if they're free on one of those dates. And you know what? The first month went pretty well. We'd set aside the money and the time, and we were focused in our effort. Well, guess what we did in February? The exact same thing. And then March. And by April, it just seemed natural from a budget standpoint to a scheduling standpoint. And that goal was easily met by the end of the year. I'm convinced you can do this with almost anything. You just have to first envision what better looks like, give it some generic identity, then be a bit more specific and come up with a large goal, break that goal down into something you can do in January, something repeatable, and then be consistent. Now, a couple of follow-up comments on that, the second of which lends to the building of a team concept. But the first one is to be prayerful. When you talk about building a ladder and laying the two beams on the sides, I consider that to be God's part. If you've prayed about those things and you've laid those beams out and you're over in the corner whittling on the steps and God keeps the beams in place, you'll get there. If for whatever reason God says this is not the goal that you need in your life right now, one or both of those beams will disappear and you'll have to reevaluate. 
It is very interesting saying that to you now because I released Building Your Ladders at the beginning of 2020. And I think we would say there are a whole lot of things that did not go as planned that year. And you know what? That's okay. That has to do with God and things that are beyond my control. But I'm kind of over the idea of failing at things where God is right there, the beams are placed, and I just wasn't exercising my repeatable skills of building rungs. Now, the second part of this and where we will conclude this episode is about building a team around you of people who believe in you, who want to work with you, who value your success, and who can help pick you up when you fall. I remember, just to stick with the same example, in subsequent years, Summer and I have made similar attempts to the one I just described about hospitality, and we have enlisted the help of other couples, where sometimes they would host, sometimes we would host. We surrounded ourselves with people who bought into the same concept. We've actually been able to train some people to carry on that very behavior. And when life has been a tornado and we felt like abject failures, we've had people we could confide in who would tell us that we are not failures. They would reiterate that they believe in us and sometimes they would lend a helping hand to get us back on track. I just need to say emphatically, you need that. You need them. Probably if they are in your inner circle, they need you also. I want to emphasize the value of a team like that, so let me share a few thoughts from a short interview that Simon Sinek did under the heading of a trusting team. He talked about psychological safety. I made a mistake. I need help. I don't know what to do. I'm struggling with stuff at home, and I'm getting distracted. I need some advice. In a trusting team, you can say things like that. There's no fear of humiliation or retribution gossip, or having your doubts and fears used against you. If you try to lean on or partner up with or reach the next level amongst someone who is from the outer circle, where doubts are a part of the picture, chances are you may be afraid to admit that you made a mistake or you don't know what to do. You're living with this fear that your failure will affect how they see you, how they will always see you. And that is ridiculously unhealthy and unproductive. That's an outer circle person, not someone you want on your team. He really explored the idea of pushing boundaries, thinking big. If you do that next year, if you try to get out of your comfort zone, reach another level, take some steps, chances are you will slip and fall a lot. There's really no way around it. Innovation requires experimentation. And experimentation demands failure. And Sinek goes on to say that failure is not a good word for this, and I agree with him, because failure has different levels to it. I mean, there's a sense in which you tried something and you failed, and you need to go back and find a better way to do it. And then there's complete catastrophic failure, which we're trying to avoid. So maybe falling is a better word. But the point is this. You need people on your team, people you are sharing with, confiding in, bouncing ideas off of, enlisting as accountability partners who are not discouraged or deterred by your mistakes. In fact, they know that's the reason you've pulled them on board, to help you figure out a better way to do it, to help you believe in yourself that you can do it, and to address you the way that God does. So long as you keep getting back up and trying your best, we will look right past those mistakes. 
They do not define you, and they are not the way that I define you. As you can begin to see, inner circle people aren't there because of their technical ability to give you the perfect way to proceed. They are there because they love you, and they have the heart of Christ. And they're humble and realize that they too make mistakes and need mercy, and they are not defined by what went wrong, nor is that the way they will define you. Simon Sinek talked about a successful gaming company with an unusual strategy. They throw massive parties when they miss the mark. Not when a game comes out and does great, but when a game comes out and it flops. They have food and games and music. They enjoy their time together, and then they pass out little pieces of paper where you can write down lessons that you learned that will help you do better next time. Now notice, they don't ask for the lessons that you've learned while you're sitting at a conference table wondering if you're about to be fired or in a place where everyone is looking down, feeling depressed in their inadequacies. Look, if I wanted to surround myself with people who would tell me, I told you so, or who somehow get some weird joy out of my failures, I could probably peruse the outer band of that outer circle and round up people like that in a hurry. I want people who throw a party when I fail, but for a very different reason. Because they want to lift my spirits, they want me to understand I'm not defined by such things, Let's create a positive environment and learn some lessons. Cynic said companies like that try again very easily. They are super innovative because they know that falling is part of the game. It's just one more opportunity for us to get our heads together and figure out a better way to do it. And I think you will probably need that in 2023. There will be something about your plan or the way you're building those rungs or perhaps the way God moves the rails to another location where the truth of it hits you squarely in the face. I cannot do this by myself. I may not even know the right step to take next. I need to consult my team. I need to be honest with someone. I need help. Like Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. He doesn't go on to say to learn to do it on your own. In fact, he goes on to say you might want to add some more chords to that strand and you'll be even stronger. So listen, be specific on where you want to be a year from today. Lay it out in monthly increments. Visualize success and get excited about it. But just know that almost every successful company that's ever existed focused on getting the right people before building the right product. They had an idea of what they wanted to do. They just needed the right help to do it. So start constructing what comes next in your life, but begin by building a team. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. And if you're just in search of deeper Bible study or you want to share the message of Jesus with the children in your life, remember to go to creationtorevelation.com. This wonderful company run by Christians provides beautiful illustrations of scripture from beginning to end, putting the spotlight on Jesus. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.